Dear God, I just come to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for being with us this morning. Thank you for the beautiful day. And Lord, we just pray for the events of the day. Lord, as some of us leave on a trip, as some perhaps go and get together for the song service this evening. And Lord, we also pray for the youth meetings going on right now, that you would anoint those, uh, those meetings, that speaker, those youth. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would just... You would just guide and direct also with Randy. I pray that you would call him to repentance wherever he is. I pray that you would give everybody, the family and authorities and everybody wisdom. But Lord, especially just lead somebody to him that can direct him in the, in the right way wherever he's at. For Bob Ginhart, we pray for him that you would just establish this commitment he made. Give him the joy of the Lord. Give him the ability to testify. May you get glory, Lord, from him, but keep him from evil. Help him to walk in repentance, whether he has just a few hours left or, or days or months left, whatever it is, Lord, just use those, I pray, for your glory. We pray for the Avaloses, especially Gabriel. You'd reach out your hand and just touch him, give Reuben and Jamie and the whole family wisdom in this, Lord. And Lord, this young man, Vale, who seemed to be struggling, I thank you, God, that for this opportunity. Thank you that he could hear what he did here last night. I pray that somehow you would touch him and draw him to repentance. Touch him right now. And Lord, we thank you so much for Mike and Joanna and the news about the baby. I pray, God, that you would you would just bless Spencer and Morgan and the baby. Get glory from that family. We just commit them into your hands. And Lord, I just commit my brother Jeremy into your hands as, as he prays. Help him to pray what you have laid on his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Greetings in Jesus' name. We sang some songs this morning. Uh, the first, well, I don't know if it was the first one, but 793 wrote a couple notes out of that. When we walk with the Lord, talks about a glory He sheds on our way. When we do his goodwill, he abides with us still. Verse 2 says, Not a shadow can rise and not a cloud in the skies, but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. You ever think as you sing some of these songs, like, what? I mean, is this just uh, idealism? I mean, some of the things they say in these songs. Or did they have something? Did they have something deeper that we're all pressing on? Like Caleb led the song. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm finding. A higher plane, Lord. Do you ever feel that desire in your heart? Like, I want that higher plane. Like you sing this song and you feel kind of like, yeah, I've had that. But man, I want that more of that. I don't feel fulfilled yet for that. What about 804? I've been thinking about this song this last week. Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. Overall victorious in its bright increase. Perfect, yet it floweth fuller. The river is getting fuller every day. Perfect, yet it groweth deeper all the way. As the river is flowing, is it getting deeper, wider, and fuller? Or is this just idealism? 
Every joy or trial that falls from above traced upon our dial by the sun of love. You know, like the sun shines down like a sundial. A joy in your life, a trial in your life, it's like the sun shining down. And it's from God, you know, and it's like a sundial telling you what time it is. Is that your life? Is that how you're walking? Every joy or trial falls from God, basically, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. He does it because He loves us. We must trust Him fully, all for us to do. Those who trust Him wholly find Him wholly true. Is this just idealism, or is this something more? What about, uh, I know we didn't sing that one, but I was thinking about it. 520, we sang that one, which was day by day. Oh, Caleb's not here. I was going to say, the Lord led you, Caleb, because as I was singing these songs, my, my, wife, my wife leaned over and said, the Lord confirms his word. <laughs> and he confirmed it by the, the songs that Caleb uh, picked this morning. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, as if I'm walking each moment, as this comes into my life, that comes into my life, I'm going to trust it as it's from my Father. And he is giving me the strength to walk through it. I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives each day what he deems best. I love the last verse where it says, at the very end it says, um, Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble meeting, air to take as from a father's hand. Air to take as from a father's hand. So what I want to talk about, and I, I was really excited when I saw... Um, Rebecca came home with a little pamphlet from the thing that's going on over there, and it was called Grace. And I was like, oh, wow. And she flipped through it. I, this is one of my most favorite subjects, Grace. And which is kind of funny because, yeah, I um, would have never seen that one coming. But, um, but of course, she read me in the middle of it somewhere. It said, oh, she's going to go into all about how grace is strength and power. And Though that's not exactly what I want to talk about, I believe some of the authors in the New Testament have different ways of saying the same thing. Um, have you ever heard of walk in the Spirit? Uh, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not, desi- uh, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Um, have you ever heard being filled with the Spirit? You know, we read this morning, they were filled with the Spirit. They spake with tongues. A couple uh, chapters later, it says they were filled with the Spirit and they went out and spoke boldly the Word of God. Uh, right after they prayed. Um, have you ever heard the word of God receive with meekness the, the ungrafted word which is able to save your souls? I mean, these, is this just idealist that these guys write about? All these things that like, wow, we read these things that Paul writes about and James writes about and we think, how can we have this in our life? And... Um, I don't know. I just I sometimes I think the thing that drives me the most in in this life, the, the thing I want the most is that con- consistently walking in the spirit, consistently receiving the engrafted word consistently, as, as it says in that one passage, as you have received the Lord, so walk ye in him. Right. Remember those days when you first knew the Lord and everything was so fresh and real and he was so tender you ever had that experience? A couple weeks ago, I had an experience, and you're all going to think I'm kooky probably. I told my wife, I don't want to share it because they'll think I'm kooky. But, oh well. I think they thought Jesus was kooky. Um, 
but I remember years ago when I lived up in Albany, um, I was at work just sitting at my desk and all of a sudden, just out of the blue, and I don't know if I'd been listening to some sermons or what it was, but all of a sudden, and it was noticeable, like the presence of God came over my heart. And it was like, all of a sudden, listening to all of the bickering and the fighting going on in my home, it was like it hurt. It actually hurt in my soul and my spirit. It felt like things were poking into me every time somebody would say something harsh or rude. And it was, I was so, I don't know if Timothy remembers this or Rebecca, but I was so moved. I said, we're all fasting. And I came out, we're all so mean. And, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, we're all, we're not fat. You know, we are going to get containment of this. And it was like an amazing time. It was like a day or two. And the presence of God was on my life. It was amazing. And uh, down in Belize, it happened a couple of times also. And during that time, it was like, it was like the it was like you were walking in the state where exactly what they talk about in the songs and in the scripture. And it was like you ever feel that moment when somebody comes and they do something mean to you, they they're, they're rude and you're uh, and you feel that and you like you have to hammer it down, you know, and hold it down. It wasn't like that. It was like right at the moment I it didn't really come up. It was like um it was like God's grace was right there and, and empowering me even before the moment came. And what's really interesting about this is you'll go sit down with a child, for example, and you'll go to talk to him about something. And they'll just accept what you're saying. It's like other times you try to talk to them about something and it's you're not breaking through. You're not getting their attention. But in this circuit, all of a sudden, they're accepting. Yes, Papa, I understand. And what in the world? Like... Uh, I'm not joking. It's serious. And but you're right. It it is funny. Um, and then like you'll you'll make a phone call. Somebody will call you just out of the blue. This happened. This actually happened two weeks ago. Out of the blue, somebody calls me, and they're asking me all these questions. And it wasn't like I was feeling like all of this amazing power and I'm floating in euphoria or anything like that. But as I would scripture verses would come to my mind and I would speak them, the brother on the other end would say. Yeah, that's right. And and by the time he was done, he would say, that's what I needed to hear. Thank you for saying those things. And you think to yourself, now, what, what was different? I mean, other times I had scriptures, but it was like the right word for the right moment. Um, now, I'm not saying this at all to boast. I'm saying this at, to, to whet an appetite for us, that there is something deeper. And we keep need depressing fuller, deeper every day. Uh, we're still growing. Uh, I heard it said, Christians are like a big building. Uh, you ever see these building areas where they're building houses? And you drive along and, oh, wow, there's a beautiful house. It's all built. And the next one, it's like half built. And the next one down is just like a hole in the ground and mud everywhere. <laughs> and the house that's just about built, you can ha- kind of have vision for This is going to be a great house. You know, it's going to have a kitchen over here. The hole in the ground, you're like, well, what is this? Like, that's where we're all at, right? We're all at different places in the building community here, and we're all being grown more and more. And so what I want to talk about this morning is something found in the book of James, if you'll turn there with me, James chapter 3. And I, like I said, I think this is no different than grace. James is just saying it in a different way. The power of God in our lives. I And I think... 
I've said this so many times before, but I think the New Testament is about forgiveness, reconciliation, experiencing eternal life now, and the Holy Spirit that lives in us. That is a huge difference between the old and the new. And so we always have to be reminded not to fall back into what is just Old Testament Christianity, just doing right just because. There is something vitally different between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So let's pick it up in verse, um, chapter 3, verse 13. James says here, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, or we could put the word conduct there, out of good conduct, his works with meekness of wisdom. Let him show his, his, his conduct with deeds, actions, with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual and devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Lord, I just pray you would bless this as we look at this passage. Help us to get everything out of it. Lord, may your spirit teach us. Help us all to empty ourselves this morning and just do an analysis where we stand. And uh, may you be the teacher this morning in Jesus name. Amen. So here uh, I want to look at verse 17, sorry, and it says the wisdom that is from above. I want to talk about the two kinds of wisdom. James brings up there's a wisdom that is from above and there is a wisdom that is from the earth. There's a divine wisdom and there's a human wisdom. There's a spiritual wisdom. And there's a worldly wisdom. There's a higher and a lower. We can see this clearly in Acts when it says Moses learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and in deed. There's a wisdom. In fact, I asked Timothy if I can borrow his book. You know, we have lots of learning. We have our hands with so much knowledge. Timothy would like to study for emergency care. Look at the thickness of this book. I mean, you have to be pretty dedicated in your life to want to learn about emergency care and to stay up late at night to read this thing. Right? <laughs> And this is a wisdom. This is a wisdom of emergency care, right? And it's a great thing to know. It's a great thing to know how to help people. God says there's something we can have called the wisdom that's from above. And it's not like the wisdoms of this earth. When you think of wisdom in your life, what, what, just help me out. What, what do you think of when you think of wisdom? What, what come? what's, if you were to, be a dictionary and write the definition, what would you say? Somebody say something. Knowing why you don't do something. Knowing why you don't do something, okay? Why you do. Why you do, okay? So judgment. Okay, that's... Hmm? Discernment. Discernment, okay. Discernment. That's how I would have thought of wisdom too. When I... Think of wisdom. I think of like, that wouldn't be wise to do that. That would be wise to do that, right? You know, don't go here to do this. 
But look what the Bible, look what James in particular defines wisdom. He defines the wisdom that is from above is actually put out in actions. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy. Good fruits and without partiality and without hypocrisy. So I was looking up what the definition of wisdom is. And it said here, the very knowledge of things human and divine acquired by acuteness and experience. You know what acuteness is? Anybody know what acuteness is? It's not the little girl, you know. <laughs> what is acuteness? What's that? Okay. Specific. We're getting close. It's sensitivity that is keen and highly developed. You ever watch somebody that... Uh, is very highly developed in something. I was watching some of those baseball players yesterday. Man, they have practiced. They can throw from the back of the field all the way to the pitcher. I think, how do you get that kind of arm to throw like that? They've practiced and practiced. They have become acute. They have become uh, sensitive. And they have become, as it said here, um, highly developed. They know right where to catch that ball when it comes in, right? And then it says, so acuteness and experience. Ever heard the term practice makes perfect? I, I told somebody, I don't know if I want to play out there with all those good people because I'm not that good at this game. And somebody said, well, practice makes perfect. And I thought, yeah, but I don't want to practice with all of you out there today. I'll practice another time, right? So acuteness and experience. So Timothy could learn all he wants in this book, and, but until he gets out there and actually starts feeling and touching and helping and all of that, right, is when he's going to really start to gain the wisdom, or it's just a bunch of book knowledge if he never does anything with it. So we need that this morning. We need to come in and do a cancer checkup. You know, it's kind of scary when you have to go in for a cancer checkup. You know what I mean? Like you go in and they say, we're going to put you down and we're going to put a big machine over you and look inside of you and and you're kind of scared. What what if it's there? What if it's back? You know, what if what if it comes back positive? But it's and I felt this feeling. You almost feel like I just don't want to know about it, right? It'd be better just not to know. I'd feel at more peace. But that's not a very wise thing. Um, because if they catch cancer early, there's a lot more likelihood you'll live. And there's a lot more likelihood each one of you will live today to see God and to be with God for eternity and to know God if we do a checkup inside of our bodies, inside of our spirit and our soul. James gives us the CAT scan to see how we're doing. Are we walking in the wisdom of God? He not only gives us the CAT scan, he even gives us the remedy, the chemotherapy to get rid of the cancer. So let's let's pay close attention. Now we know Jesus was a man of wisdom. In fact, it said about Jesus in the book of Luke, it says that they could not. Re- well, actually, this is in the book of Acts talking about Stephen. They said they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit he spoke. Can you imagine that? They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. 
Jesus. It says, um, when he was done preaching, they said, where did this man come from? And what wisdom is this which has been given to him? Jesus himself said, when the day comes that we're going to stand before our persecutors, he said, don't think about it. Don't meditate. He said, it will be given to you a mouth. And he says, a mouth and wisdom. It will be given to you. Where's that going to be given from? From the Spirit. So this is definitely a teaching of the New Testament that we would walk in wisdom, the wisdom that's from above. So let's first take a um, look at this. Let's look at the first one. It says the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Now, I, I was researching this word pure, looking it up, and it's actually the translators decided to just put pure. But there's two Greek words right there. Verily or truly, like Jesus would have, verily, verily, I say unto you, pure. So it's truly pure. Now, what do you think when you think pure? Without blemish. Without blemish? Okay. I know this is a favorite word of Bob, so I look for him. <laughs> Without mixed, okay. I think when I hear the word pure, because I've been around Bob so much, I think, you know, in the area of like our purity meetings and purity in our, um, uh, well, there's a proper word to say in, in a mixed congregation. Um, purity in our lives that we have purity meetings for, right? <laughs> I can't think of a word. But did you know that the word pure just comes from, its root word is what we get our word saint or sanctified or set apart. It's the same. This word pure comes from that same word. It's set apart. It's pure. It's genuine. I don't know. Lately, I get on, like, I want to go buy something, for example. And you get on Amazon and you try to look for something anymore and you have to filter through so much junk. You know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but let's say you're looking for a sleeping bag and you're looking and looking and looking and reading reviews. And, you know, you're not sure. And it's like filtering through all these people. Like by the time you read the views, oh, it's just junk. It's just made with cheap stuff. And pretty soon you, it's so hard to find the genuine anymore. It's so hard to find what's really pure anymore because it's so many money hungry people put their products out there and you cannot seem to find it. Now I ask you, how is that? Are we like that as Christians? Are we just mixed as brother Bob said, or are we pure? Jesus is the perfect picture. Anytime we want to know something, right? Anytime we want to know what the meaning of something is, just look at Jesus life. Okay. So if we're looking at pure, we can look at how is Jesus? How did he walk? He can define pure. Are we gentle? Okay, look at Jesus. How did he? He was the word of God, right? He was the walking scripture. So we should be able to look at his life. Was Jesus pure? Was Jesus ever mixed? Did Jesus ever get angry and yell at somebody? Or get stressed out? Frustrated? Do we? Yeah. But we know that purity is very important. In fact, it says without holiness, 
It says, how does it say it now? It says, um, oh yes, here it is. He that is unclean, which is the opposite of pure, hath no inheritance of the kingdom of God. This is very important, being pure, being sincere within. Deep down in your heart and your soul, it's more, it's about God. It's about knowing God. It's not about, it's not about pleasing others. We are pure, just like a glass of pure water. It's peaceable, it says. It's peaceable, able to have peace. This is so important. Think about all of the times throughout the Bible when it opens to a book. It says, grace and, what does it say? Peace be unto you. Why is peace so important for a Christian? Why did Jesus say, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled. Peace is a condition that we need to be in. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. For theirs is the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom, it says in the scripture, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy. It talks about letting the peace of God rule our hearts. It talks in James about yielding the peaceable fruits of righteousness. Brother Mike taught us on the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. Third one, peace. May the God of peace fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And it says if we follow peace with all men and holiness, without no man can see God. This is how important it is to have peace in our lives. And I have, I have had to walk very watchful in this. It's not, you know... I remember one time I was with a brother. I was just in a little brother's meeting down in Belize, and, and they, needed, they needed something. And I am a people pleaser. So I jumped up, and I'm running across the field, you know, just trying to get over there, and I'm just almost stressing out that they're waiting on me back there. I know maybe that's not your personality. Maybe you're the other way. But, but me, I'm just like, I don't want to make anybody wait for anything. And I realize I am just throwing peace out the door to please others. And I'm losing the condition that God wants to give us. He wants to have peacefulness in our life. <clears throat> Listen to this definition of Christianity. The tranquil state of a soul assured of salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot or whatever sort it is. He's sure where he stands with God. And he's not fearful of anything, and he's content with whatever comes in his life. I'll, I'll give you an example. This is the best example I know of peace. Right before I go into surgery, I'm not. I, I'm just struggling, like just struggling, like I'm going to be put under. Like this is not going to be fun. This is. Uh, yeah, I just don't even want to do it, right? And then they put the shot into my arm, and all of a sudden I'm just like on cloud nine. I don't care about anything. Wow. Like, huh, I could talk to the doctor and I don't, this is great. Like I'm not thinking about anything anymore. It's, I don't know what that stuff has in it, 
but <laughs> they're mimicking the Holy Spirit, I think. <clears throat> and I have experienced it. I'll say that. I have experienced it outside of drugs. <laughs> and <laughs> just don't take that little part of the sermon and play that for somebody, please. Um, peace. You can walk by peace. You can actually walk. And it's... Okay, so... A couple of weeks ago, like I was telling you, I had heard a sermon and it was about, it was about, it was a really good sermon. It was really broke me and brought contriteness to my heart. And all of a sudden I noticed the Lord's presence there. And I, like I said, this has happened like five times in my life. So I'm not acting like I'm some book knowledge on the subject. Um, But all of a sudden, as I walked, everything I did, it was like the Lord would show me my motive, like I would go to say something to a brother and immediately I'd sense in my heart, don't say that. That is for your own gain. Okay, Lord, I do not want to say that. And, and it was like I had a joy in my heart to want to do it because I, he was just making things so clear, so clear, so clear as I went. And I was just walking as carefully as I could to walk in peace and not let anything steal it. And so then I started fearing a little bit like, oh, I don't want to lose this now, right? And that's probably not faith either. But I'm still a child learning these things. But anyway, long story short, I lost it like three days later. I think it was, yeah, three days later. And it came on because I wasn't watchful. I was in the moment and I was in an, just in enjoying, the, uh, enjoying the conversation I was having. And I just kind of forgot that God was right there. And um, I, as I remember, the conversation kind of wasn't really healthy like it kind of was a little complaining attitude it wasn't terrible but anyway and i was enjoying myself enjoying the conversation you ever get that way where you're almost like enjoying like this is fun i'm laughing i'm good this is great and then it was gone and yeah i'll tell you what once you experience these kind of things that is the ultimate fulfillment that the world cannot offer and he wants you to want that And he wants to fulfill those things, but we can quench it. It's called quenching the spirit. Um, And so we have to be like the righteous man falls seven times and gets up. And so anyway, let's move on. Peace. So what I'm trying to get at is you can walk in a state of peace and God can be showing motive. He can be he can be teaching you. I'll talk about that a little bit later. So let's go on to gentleness. Another way that the spirit will work in your life when when he's giving you his grace or his wisdom from above is gentleness. Now, this word is translated throughout the King James patient, gentle, moderate. And that's that thing you feel in your heart when uh, I I like to be the fun, the fun of the party. Right. I like to when we're all around and I like to just say something strong and interesting and funny and everybody laughs. But that's not moderate. That's not the way of the spirit. That's pleasing self. And that quenches the spirit. Gentleness is moderate. It's patient. It's mild. Here's some other words that are, um, what do you call them? Cinnamons? Or is that the opposite? The cinnamons like it. Okay. Okay, same. Mild, fair, equitable, meek. These are words for gentle. In Titus, it says, speak evil of no man. 
but be gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. A meekness is like an emptying of yourself. And when you, enter, when you empty yourself, you become gentle. Because as you receive the wisdom from above, you become like God. God is gentle. Jesus was gentle. How was Jesus gentle? Can anybody think of an example of how Jesus was gentle? Okay. Touch the leper. He took children on his lap. That's not what men do, right? That's not what strong men do. Warriors, they don't come into the town and pick up a child and say, yeah, come on, sit on my lap. Right? No. What else? How was Jesus gentle? Right. Okay? So gentleness. Jesus gave us many examples of being gentle. Yesterday, now I can't say what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to tell you a story, but I wasn't going to say yesterday there and because uh, I don't want to condemn anybody. But um, I'll say it in a way that you can never figure out who and how. But I just saw a situation where somebody wasn't treated gently. And it just it really grieved my spirit to see it like this person is not all the way there. And you could tell it was really bothering them what just had happened. And the person wasn't even thinking about it. But, but God does care about those kind of things. He cares about gentleness. He cares about, like it says, if any man speak, let him speak as, uh, sorry, if it says, um, let your speech be always with, seasoned with, that's gentleness. That's Speaking by God's word. It's not just speaking your own words. A little salt on the top. Nobody wants a ton of salt. So how do we become more gentle? Well, you got to watch your thoughts. You guys ever heard of the Iron Dome? You youth? I did a little research on the Iron Dome this last week because of all the rockets that were coming in to Israel from Gaza. And it's a pretty cool system. Um, I think they developed it, I don't know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, but basically, a rocket will come in from Gaza, and they will launch some more rockets to meet those rockets, and they disintegrate right in air. So when you see this at night, when you see these rockets flying, and you see these other rockets, and it's like this fireworks show, and then they hit each other, and you know that this side is defending and keeping their people safe. Wow, it's a pretty interesting concept. Now, every once in a while, a couple get by. But I thought about this this morning. That's what you should be doing in your heart and your mind. You should have a little thing called the Iron Dome. <laughs> and every time that little thought comes that maybe isn't gentle, maybe isn't moderate, you should be looking for the Iron Dome system, right? You ever, I mean, I thought of this because this is how I actually feel. If a nasty thought comes into my brain, I feel like, I feel like I'm sending off a little Iron Dome rocket to hit it. And that's what we got to do, right? I mean, whatever you need to do, rebuke it in Jesus' name, but cast it away from you somehow. Don't let it take a place. Don't let it make it by and hit into the place where the old people and the, and the children are, and then it kills them. That's what starts the non-gentleness, right? Where does, where does roughness, oh, where does roughness come in? From a heart that's what? 
What do you think, Trevor? Definitely not gentle. Yeah, which one do you want to be? If I came over to give you a bath. <laughs> you know, this is sandpaper. This magic stuff, I looked into it. It's actually foam impregnated with, um, with uh, this resin. Finally, finally, finally sandpaper. You wonder, how does this work? I, you know, finally, I looked it up. I got tired of asking that question over and over. I mean, you can wash shoes with it. It just takes stuff right off. You could, I could wash stuff right off. I mean, stuff you can't even get off with a sponge. This stuff will take off because it's fine sandpaper. But it's gentle, right? I could clean my teeth with it. I don't want to try that with this. Right? But this is not gentle. Which one are we in our, the way we deal with people? Are we more like this, taking off and helping people see their ways? Or are we more like this? And it's abrasive to be around. The sermon I was telling you about that I was just convicted by is in Romans chapter 15. Why don't we turn there together? Romans 15 verse 1. It says this, Romans 15:1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse 3, for Christ, even Christ, pleased not himself. We then are strong. Do you think you're strong this morning in, as a Christian? Are you strong spiritually? How are you doing with bearing the infirmities of the weak? Because that's what we need to be as Christians. That's the strong ones. The strong ones that have received the wisdom that is from above or grace is the one that is bearing the infirmities of the weak. <clears throat> okay, let's look at the next word. Back to James. Gentleness. Easy to be entreated. This comes from uh, a compound word, Greek word, which means easy and persuade. Easy to be persuaded. Com here's, some, here's some synonyms. Compliant. Are you a compliant person when people come to you with something that they feel should change? Or are you a strong-willed person? Are you the one that everybody's worried about coming in contact with this? Are you easy to be entreated? Are you... Easily obeying is another way you could translate that. Does God just, d d does the scriptures just tenderly touch your heart and you say, oh, I want to obey that. <clears throat> Listen to this. I love how the New King James and the New Living put it. Willing to yield to others. Willing to yield to others. Does it have to be my way? Or are you willing to sit back and say, let's give it a try. That'll be interesting. I would never have thought to do it like that. But Lord, I'm going to trust you through this and see what comes through. <clears throat> NIV puts it um, submissive. Another translation puts it open to reason. Is that your... See, all of these come from a heart that's contrite. From a heart that's broken. From a heart that says, without you I can do nothing, Lord. And so it's all... All of these come in it from... From a perspective of constantly trusting, constantly trusting, like somebody comes to you and says, hey, let's let's um, let's all paint this building purple. And all the brothers say yes. And you're thinking purple. 
That's like so unconservative. Just think what all the Mennonites would think of us. But easy to be entreated would say, well, Lord, I'm willing to go for this ride. You know, you know, maybe a Mennonite sees you in a certain way or, or sees some other brother in a certain way and you feel ashamed like, oh, that's just people pleasing, right? We need to be easy to be entreated. We need to be um, our hearts. We have to continually remind our hearts that this is about God. This is about knowing God and this is about pleasing him in his way. Okay, full of mercy. That's the next one. What does it mean? One of you guys, what does it mean to be full of mercy? What do you think the Greek word full means? In other words, could I could I give you a cup of coffee half and call it full? No. Nobody wants a half a cup of coffee in the morning. That means full, right? The Greek word means full. Of mercy. That means that when we're walking in the spirit and when the wisdom from above is coming, we are a merciful person. Hey, Rachel's not here so I can pick on her. The other week, um, all of you threw out our house and Joshua was outside and he was feeling left out. He was feeling like, oh, you know, and... Um, and Rachel heard that and and because you some of you were not being including him a little chastisement <laughs> so just kidding so Rachel comes in and here's this oh Joshua come out I'll, I'll take you and I will I will do something with you that is a person that's full of mercy that is a person that's looking out and, and Sister Anne was like that is so sweet Mercy, kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted. Now listen to this. Kindness towards the afflicted mixed, it says, or joined with a desire to help. You can't come here Wednesday night and pray for all the poor people in India and Yemen, and that's mercy. It says joined with a desire to help. It, Like I remember that guy, that I forget the name of the preacher that went way back in the bush of... Africa, he said, man, Wednesday night prayer meetings are like um, all bleeding and no wool. In other words, we all come as sheep, but we just have no wool, you know? It needs to be joined with the desire to, I mean, joined with helping. So let me read that again. Kindness or goodwill toward the miserable and the afflicted, joined with a desire to help them. So Wednesday night is not enough. You need to do something with that. You need to take that prayer and you need to look for opportunities and, and, and actually put it into practice. The world says this is a sissy, it's not manly, but Jesus was the man of mans, right? He was the Lord of Lords and he was the man of mans. That, that's added into my little scripture. But Jesus was the man of mans. It says the Lord is gracious Anybody can say that verse? The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to, I see lots of people mouthing it, anger, and great in mercy. Okay, we want to be like God, right? We don't want to be like man. We are 
we are, it says, gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all the earth. Jesus said, go, go to the Pharisees. He said, go figure out what this means. The Lord desires mercy over sacrifice. And this is where we fall into danger. We come here, oh, we're so, we're so plain and we're so conservative and we've sacrificed so many things in our lives and we overlook mercy. That is a big danger in plain churches. And Jesus was not that way. Look at his life. I mean, it, all you have to do is read the Gospels to see how Jesus was. What did he do to the, the woman caught in adultery? He said, go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Over and over, the ones that were contrite and broken, what came from him? I can, can anybody think of a time when he wasn't merciful to somebody who was broken and contrite? I can't really. Can you think, what's that? A lady where the crumbs under the table. <laughs> yeah. And still she pushed a little more and still got in, right? Yeah. But can you, you can think of times when he wasn't very merciful towards people who were hard and who weren't broken. The religious, yeah. He said, you're so concerned about the outward appearance, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. This is so dangerous for us. So we need to be full of mercy inside. It's inside. It's not just on Wednesday nights. It's not just what we talk to our friends about, it's full inside of us. We're doing a cancer checkup and we're... We're going to have to quit early. In other words, I think what I'll do is just finish this another time because there's no way I can finish all of this. Um, and I don't want to steal your valuable time. Um, we'll go a little bit longer here. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to leave the rest of it for another sermon. And what we'll do is I want to quickly talk about the maybe we'll talk about this both times so we can remember what are the requirements to start getting these things in our life. OK, I want to talk about good fruits and without hypocrisy and without partiality another time. But look at verse 18. What are the requirements that we must have in our life so we can have this wisdom that is from above? First of all, I want to say. Repent, read your Bible, and believe it. James chapter 1, verse 21. Turn back a page. He says this. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. I know those are old English words, but we'll just say sin for right now. And all of your selfish deeds, even better. And receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Lay aside, repent, receive with meekness, read the engrafted word, read the scriptures, listen to his voice. And then it says, uh, and believe it, it says, receive with meekness the engrafted word. That's a believing in it. Okay. Secondly, turn to James chapter three again in verse 13. Meekness is our second. So the first one I want to say is we need to repent. We need to confess that we're not hungry enough for the Lord if we're not, if this isn't even in our desire. Two, 
Cultivate meekness. James chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Who is a wise man? You, do you consider yourself wise here this morning? Are you wise? This is what James says. Let him show, out of a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. His works with meekness. I'll just put you here. The condition you need to be in is meekness. Let him receive the wisdom from above. So we'll say that's coming down from God. The condition you have to have, it says, his works with meekness of wisdom. Meekness of wisdom, his works. We just talked about four of those works or whatever they were, gentleness and all those things. Here's your works. If you don't have these works in your life, then you're not probably receiving the wisdom that's from above, which means you're not in this condition, right? It says here, let's read it one more time. It says, his works with meekness. This is how you're going to do your works. With meekness and then from wisdom. When we read what the wisdom is, it's from above. So, James verse 18 says this, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So this is a big key, everyone. We need to be here. And the other thing we need to do is sowing in peace. The fruits of righteousness is sown in peace. If you're not there, you're not sowing into the ground with fruits coming up. You have to be in a place of peace. This is so critical and that's why so many of the epistles open with grace and peace. Be multiplied to you. Corinthians says, if there's any man among you that seemeth to be wise, you think you know it all? Right? This is, I'm, not, I'm not saying not to do this, but you think you know, have a lot of wisdom in this world? This is what Corinthians says. Let him become a fool that he may be wise. So I encourage all of us to, this morning, now it's afternoon, to, to desire that. To desire the wisdom that's from above. To desire walking in the Spirit. To desire the grace that teaches us. To live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And to cultivate your heart in a place that can receive that. And then ask the Lord to do these things in you. And he will do amazing things. And you will feel fulfilled. And you will, it will be better than anything this world has to offer. And until you finally get to a place where this... Sorry, Timothy, but still the This becomes dumb. Compared to the knowledge of Jesus, to knowing Jesus, that's where we got to get to. I mean, yes, this is great information, but this is definitely become dumb, right? To compare to knowing Jesus and receiving His grace and walking with Him. So I'm going to put there. And thank you for all of your. Uh,